coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzz on Movies. I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. And we're here once again to discuss our Oscars death, death race um, as we get nearer and nearer to the Oscars ceremony. And it's getting increasingly desperate around here. So, Ooh, welcome. It's getting rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why don't we start by just saying how many movies we have left to see. Okay. And uh, what movies they are, maybe, if we have the time to discuss sure. that. I um, do. <laughs> all right. So, why don't you go first? Yeah. So, I have seven movies left. Um, and to be clear, we are recording on the Wednesday before the Oscars. So I feel like I'm in good shape. Um, I have seven movies. Those are better days, collective, the midnight sky, news of the world, pieces of a woman, Pinocchio and Quo Vadis Aida. Okay. Not bad. That's pretty good. I have 27 movies left to go. Oh my God. But like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) 15 of which are shorts. So yes, just to make say, that clear. Please tell me. <laughs> I've watched all the shorts, but I have 27 features to get now. Um, so 15 of those are shorts. So really, if you count each one of those as one movie, I have 15 left to go, which is getting quite tight around here. Uh, you've got, so you've got to get through. You've got to get through some more tonight. Yeah. You've got to get through several tomorrow, several Friday, several Saturday, and several Sunday. Yeah. So my pace is I have to watch three or four a day. Um, okay. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's getting a little get a little tight here, but I'm I'm determined to at least make my best effort to get there. Uh, I'm not giving up. I still, like I said, I haven't seen any of the shorts yet. Um, right. I haven't seen One and Only Ivan, Quo hmm. Vadis Aida, The Man Who Sold His Skin, Better Days. The White Tiger, Pieces of a Woman, Tenet, Pinocchio, News of the World, Minari, Judas and the Black Messiah, and The Father. So there's a lot to go there. Got a got yeah. a few heavy hitters there too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like the the um, the Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Minari are up for quite a few awards. So I definitely want to check those off at some point uh, soon. I've been kind of leaving all the stuff that's like video on demand to the end because I knew I wanted to like at least watch the stuff that was free. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> um, I'm pretty much done with that. So it's just going to be a bunch of VOD from now on. You've got a few free ones left. Kovadi Saida, right? That oh, where's that available? It's on Hulu, at least for me. Oh, shit. Um, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Um, Did you say Pieces of a Woman? That's on Netflix. Yeah, I have that down as being on Netflix. Um one and only Ivan's on Disney Plus. Yep. Mm-hmm. White Tigers on Netflix. White so Tigers on Netflix. There's a few left of those. I remember everything else you said. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah used to be on HBO Max, so you missed your time. I know. I'm so pissed about that. <laughs> I wish I'd known that it was going away. I would have watched it. Yeah. To be fair to HBO Max, which is not a sentence I need to say much, <laughs> um, they did explicitly say when they did the the all simultaneous theatrical release and. HBO Max release that it would be for a month. So yeah, yeah, that's true. I <laughs> that just was an missed... explicit detail that they stated. <laughs> I just missed that part, but um, and now I'm paying for it literally. Um, 
but it's okay you're not the only one Uh, a friend of the pod had that same revelation this week and had to pay Mm. for it so (laughs) it's also annoying that tenet is going to be available on hbo max but right after the ceremony that's like typical that you know that's they do typically half of these movies are impossible to find in legal cheapish methods until like two days after the oscars it's like yeah (laughs) that's always the thing with the foreign films it's like oh it's getting a theatrical release oh it's a week after the oscars great i don't really (laughs) know why that is i wonder if it's because they think that more people watch the oscars than like pay attention to what was nominated ahead of time and so name recognition will be higher right after yeah Um, Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's probably the way most people consume Oscar movies. They see it on the ceremony. They're like, oh, that looks good. And they go check it out. Not like us who like spend months ahead of the ceremony preparing for it. I guess. But but I I think that's right. But I do think that there's a not there's a not small group of people who try to watch not maybe not all, but a bunch of the movies before the ceremony. Yeah, and especially (laughs) like with the foreign films, like it's mostly the hardcore film geeks who are watching that stuff anyway. Yeah, Yeah. and um, yeah, we're 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 the the main audience there. I guess they're all gambling on if they win the best foreign language category, there will definitely be an uptake. Uptake. Yeah. So they all gamble on winning. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, true. And a lot of times we see films re-released after the ceremony as well. So and that makes sense. That we see we see films re-released in the the months leading up to the ceremony. I mean, in a typical year, yeah. it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. Okay. Um, you you would see like right after everything gets announced, like AMC will start showing Oscars contenders again that they showed like three months prior. You know, like so. Yeah. Typically, that will happen. Um, of course, this year. Things are a little bit weird. And I'm sure some theaters did do that, but like it didn't matter as much. So, <laughs> yeah, it's um, certainly a very unusual year in many respects. Yes. Um, this does not make the whole process easier. I mean, some in some ways, the process is easier because, like we said, all the films are actually available online yeah. for like the first time. I think they're ever. actually all way more accessible. Um, it technically, they are more accessible as long yeah. as you can shell out some money no it is i mean it's cheaper than an in theater ticket i guess because paying six dollars for a movie like news of the world is definitely cheaper than paying 17 dollars for a movie ticket but like it's so hard to sit on your couch and watch these heavy movies all day every day (laughs) back to back to back especially when you're at the point like i am we have to watch three movies a day it's like well that thing was over and I have to think about that. But no, there's no time. Now it's time to plug in for the next one. I've been trying um, really hard to keep my like spread scattered so that like if I have a day where like, like when I watched The Father, I didn't watch another one afterwards. I was like, I just can't oh do this anymore. I mean, I'm like, dreading that one because it's I very just, good. It's also like an hour and a half. Like it's like literally does not break a hundred minutes. That's good. So that's like merciful. Um, But it is like, it's emotionally draining because of the co- like the content, um, because of the performances. But it's just like right. extremely, you know. I did. I, I can't even remember what day that was, but I was just like, I'm, I can't fucking do another Oscar movie. Like I just, I think <laughs> I, wa- I I forgot what else I watched that day. It was like two others that day, and I was like, I just like this is no, I'm done. Like, 
So it's tough. It's yeah. tough to watch all these movies back to back, especially yeah. when they're like actually difficult. Like we've talked about how difficult Saw Day was, but in some ways, like for the movie watching perspective, it wasn't that hard. You know, it was stuff that we really enjoyed watching. Well, and yeah, that, that was, that's specific to us, but yeah, a lot of people <laughs> and would it disagree was like with that. that. <laughs> easy, just sort of easy listening type stuff that you just sort of put on and uh, <laughs> in the background. Um, but yeah, like the like this is like the tone of these films is a lot of them. It's very heavy, and having that you know, back to back to back can be very difficult. Yeah. And, you know, just even just the process of sitting, sitting around for so many hours watching movies every day can be draining physically. Yeah. Um, I need to get some more exercise. Yeah. I've oh started God, yeah. just trying to go on a walk every day in the woods near my house just to try to like make sure I keep some of my sanity around here. Um, and for context, I also haven't showered in two days because they keep, <laughs> They keep shutting off the water at my apartment and they always do it in the morning. Yeah, to be clear, <laughs> it's not that he's so pressed for time with the movies. <laughs> no, but that's adding to the experience. I feel like I'm literally going crazy here. Yeah, that actually uh, is a good point because like I definitely have had these moments where I'll be like, I need to cook dinner. And I'd be like, well, I don't have an hour to waste on dinner. <laughs> I don't so have time for food. So I'll be like, what can I just throw together out of the fridge? And it's like, that's not helpful or like normal. Like can just eat like you have an hour. Um, but we, you I know, don't some days <laughs> in it to paraphrase Amanda from saw. We're not being good to ourselves. No. Um, <laughs> this has been very draining, but you know, I, I'm still looking forward to the energy and the excitement of the ceremony. That's always like my favorite part about actually getting to watch every movie before the ceremony is feeling so prepared and knowing what all the movies are and having movies to root for. You know, you can actually care more about the ceremony. It really feel, it so. fills my like honor student burnout needs. Um. <laughs> That's right. You know, I can't prepare for an AP physics test anymore. So now I have to <laughs> do something like this. Um, yeah, it's really, that's like very real though. That is like, I'm pretty sure part of why I like it so much. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's just tough. It's tough. And you like, you know, you feel like, like today, uh, you know, I watched, um, today I've watched Greyhound and the mole agent and, um, Oh, those are both very fun ones. Those were, yeah, those were not hard, like really like heavy watches necessarily. I mean, yeah. the mole agent is a bit emotional, but it's like, it's sweet. So it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's emotional and there's some sad yeah. parts, but mostly it's emotional and like a happy kind of uplifting. Yeah. Friendly way. Yeah, it is. And, um, but like afterwards I was like, I have like two hours before we're recording the episode. So I like played assassin's creed and i was like what the <laughs> fuck am i doing like i can play a video game like and it's been weird because it's like i've been like if i if i have a day where i have like an hour and a half to kill i'll be like well i have to like clean or i have to like read a book and like you know i can i have to pick one thing that i can do every day that isn't a movie and so it's like wow i can watch assassin's creed and maybe later tonight i can do something else like I, like <laughs> this, whoa <laughs> for me this is like a glimpse of life on the other side like yeah. looking into a post covid-19 america yeah. i'm just like oh my god we can do things other than watch oscars movies yeah <laughs> yeah it's been tough too because like in new york all the movie theaters are opening again i'm fully vaccinated i see these new releases hitting like nobody is playing at the movie theater across the street the movie called nobody yes um 
And I'm like, I really want to see that movie. I really want to go. I want to go see it. But I cannot justify going to a movie theater to see something that isn't an Oscar movie. <laughs> That's exactly the boat I am in because my <laughs> local theater just recently opened. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm like, I should celebrate my vaccination two-week anniversary or whatever uh, by going to see a movie like Nobody or King Kong versus Godzilla. But I can. <laughs> I just don't have the time. I can't justify it. Um, it's so hard. <laughs> this is like, this is the most niche complaint of all time. And yeah. we're really complaining about something that we're doing completely voluntary to ourselves. And that's, you know, in this, in a way that makes it worse because I'm doing this to myself. I made this decision and I make this decision every day when I get up in the morning and I'm like, well, it's time to watch another Oscars. Movie. Right. <laughs> uh, but yet we press on. <laughs> we do. So, and like at the end of the day, you know, when, when I finally finished the last Oscars movie, it's like late at night. I'm like, got to go to bed. I'm like, But I have to watch some YouTube or something just to like cleanse my mind from this whole process every day. Mm-hmm. And then twice this week, I've fallen asleep on the couch and woken up at 7 a.m. while watching YouTube. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so uh, we're in it right now, folks. We're in it. <laughs> it's really hard. It's like it's a tough place to be. And I don't envy your place right now with so many left. Um I have seven left, and the one thing I will say is that I'm trying to be done by Friday night. I don't want to have to watch any on Saturday or Sunday. Um, That's nice. And I I physically cannot on Saturday, not physically, but Saturday I'm dedicating to Mortal Kombat and the new movie and just everything Mortal Kombat. I'm not not doing anything relating to Oscars that day because I'm watching the other two Mortal Kombat movies, probably watching the web series. I've got character-themed drinks for like 10 different characters lined up, like... Oh that I designed. I did not even go online for any of these. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. Um, so like I am not watching an Oscar movie that day. And I just know that I'm not waking up in a shape on Sunday to be able to watch Oscars movies after that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely going to have to watch some on Sunday because like I'm just I'm running out of time. Yeah. If um, I have to leave any, I'm leaving the Midnight Sky. That's what I've decided. I don't, That just is like my last one for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's the one that I will maybe watch on Sunday. But. Okay. Um, I, I watched that yesterday. That was pretty good. Um, but at the very least, Sunday, I want to have just like a couple movies to watch. Not like I did last year where I was literally like racing around to watch the last movies. Like I literally had to like finish watching a movie race to a theater, watch a movie there, then come back and continue watching movies. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I had to go into a different state to to finish my Oscar watch. Uh, It was not pleasant. Um, It was kind of exciting in a way, but it was difficult. It's kind of fun though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What is, what is this without year, a wait, dramatic finish? Last year, when did you go to another state to watch it? Well, I went to, I had to take the train into DC to, um, to watch, um, what was it? Les Miserables. Isn't that the second year in a row you've gone to another state to watch one of your Oscar movies? I always do. In fact, like many, sometimes I do, I've done Virginia, DC and Maryland, well, uh, one year you came to New York. I just want to and yes, I remember one time I went to New York. That was literally the only place I could have seen that movie. What a great happenstance that was. Um, but yeah, so there always has to be some sort of exciting finish here. We're trying to provide material for the listener. Uh, this is in no way a function of our own dysfunctional personal lives. This is just this is just entertainment. 
Hmm. All right. <laughs> We're making good quality podcasts here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, why don't we get down talking some of the specifics about what we've seen the past few weeks. So what have I seen in the last week? Well, we, we talked about the mole agent. Why don't we talk a little bit about that one? Yeah. Um, so the mole agent is the basic, it, it's a documentary, um, but it's also kind of a comedy, which is a fun mix of genre. It's about this uh, like 85 year old man who gets hired to be like a private investigator in this nursing home. Like some, somebody thinks their, their mom is not being treated well in the nursing home. So they hire this old guy to go in there as a patient um, and like investigate what's going on. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's um, yes, it is a lot of fun. Sorry. I'm just thinking about the concept of this, of this man hiring an old man to be undercover in a (laughs) nursing home. It's a very ridiculous concept. Um, but it's very, very funny. I mean, the movie is very good. It's also, yeah, it's just, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's very funny. I think it balances a good line of being like funny and sweet. Um, you know, it's not, it's, it's not too heavy. That's kind of nice. Like (laughs) I can't, you know, I just, I like things to not be super heavy sometimes, especially in the midst of this Oscar watch. And especially in the documentaries, too. I mean, it's often extremely rare, yeah. all five documentaries will be very brutal. It is extremely weird that this is a documentary. Um, yeah. Just like there's a lot about this where I'm like, this is like like this real? that Real life. This is reality. <laughs> like somebody yeah. actually hired this private investigator and this private investigator said, you know, the best course of action here. Like that's a thing that occurred in the real world. <laughs> Like, I'm going to hire this old guy to check it out. Um, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And uh, it definitely breaks the mold of a lot of what we expect in the documentary category. Um, I feel like this year's documentaries are pretty good and varied. Like, I don't think uh, there's no war documentary this year, is there? Um, no, I haven't seen Collective yet, so I can't really comment on that one. Um, I saw that recently. It's it's not war. That one is like corruption. Um, yeah, yeah, I that know what it's probably about. one of the one of the darker um, documentaries, but it's still it's very interesting um, and yeah, not quite um, as bleak as some of the documentaries in the past have been, like The Square or um, just okay. whatever that one was, The Cave from last year. Oh, oh yeah. my god! Yeah. <laughs> That one was definitely a, all right. I'm done watching movies for the day. Kind From of, of the four I've seen at the documentary features, with the, you know, most of them are at least trying to present an uplifting message by the end. Um, yeah. Time is maybe the exception there. Time like means to make you angry too when it ends, right? Um, and it it succeeds in that. Um, but, yeah. I mean, Crip Camp does too, but Crip Camp definitely is like gunning for like inspire like it's trying to inspire you it's trying to yeah. i mean it's literally like, like and believe in barack obama um but like it's the classic it like inspiring activist story yeah um, i mean yeah it makes you very angry throughout but it definitely is trying to leave you with a like there's hope and like things are changing even though the big change that they're talking about was many years ago so you know it, it you know it, whatever but um <laughs> yeah um but yeah, so, you know, I, and like mole agent and octopus teacher were definitely like uplifting. Yeah. Um, that Like that's undeniable. So, you know, it was kind of nice that actually a couple, like they were like, 
trying to be like inspiring and, and positive. Um, even time. I mean, I mean, time is like definitely a downer overall, but like in a lot of ways, but it is still trying to be like somewhat like a message of like courage and hope. Um, yeah. You know. So yeah, time is uh, it's the movie that's about uh, a woman's, struggle to get her husband out of prison yes uh from a like a after an armed robbery that they did like 20 years in the past mm -hmm. yeah. and it's all all presented through like these home videos that she taped over that time period yeah. um and it's really touching really personal and like like you said like it it makes you angry at many points yeah. there's like a frustration with the system that's not working the way it should and uh, it does, you know, it's mostly happy at the end, but there's still the sense that, yeah, the like still struggle that's going on. Right. Um, so that probably that probably was the heaviest of the documentaries. I've seen all five now. So I think I can say that um, that, yeah, that one was the heaviest. Uh, Collective was also pretty heavy, but we'll talk about that once you've seen it. Um, Octopus Teacher, I think, is my favorite and what I'm hoping wins. Uh, I really enjoyed Octopus Teacher. I um, love that movie. Yeah, I thought that was really, really good. Um, it's such a tough line to walk with some of these because it's like Octopus Teacher is one where like in the face of like something like time, it's like, well, is Octopus Teacher as like, quote unquote, important? And like, it's such a hard like choice to say, like, I don't want to compare these two. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say what's my favorite and what should win because it's like, octopus teacher is not trying to do the same thing time is trying to do there's just like no comparison right. there the only comparison is that they're both like deeply personal about like one person's like struggle, yeah you know that's true um, that's a good point uh yeah octopus teacher is certainly more uh not as important as quote unquote uh, i want to be clear yes, i don't really like saying that but yeah. But it does ha it does have like important things that it touches on and like it, it's so uh, my octopus teacher is a movie about this just this filmmaker who spent like a year going to the same spot in um, like a kelp forest snorkeling and visiting this octopus and slowly developing like a relationship with it and getting wow. to know more about it and learning more about octopuses and about the whole sea environment. <clears throat> It's octopodi. So Octopodes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I promised myself I was going to say it correctly just to be an asshole, yeah. and then I didn't. So here we are. Yes, he learns a lot about octopodes. Um, but um, uh, it, it, it's really just like a story about one octopus and this guy's relationship with it, which I found really interesting. Like It, it completely breaks the mold of a typical nature documentary. Um, and like most nature documentaries will try to, you know, put some sort of narrative in there, um, to like show you how like these animals like have like real lived lives that they go through, you know, and, uh, their struggle to survive. But this being specifically about this one guy and his relationship with this octopus and how it interacted with him was really interesting. Uh, also it's absolutely beautiful. It certainly has the best imagery of any of the documentaries this year. Um, it's just got some yeah, it seems really pretty undeniable, yeah. <laughs> great close-up footage of underwater life. Um, 
and just like the the way that it uses the the score and like just slowly floating images is very just light and easy it's a very soothing documentary as well so it <laughs> definitely takes the edge off of some of the more difficult watches that we've had right um i highly yeah. recommend it. it's on netflix right now of course i actually watched mm. that yeah i watched that a while ago it feels like at this point um <laughs> yeah i mean it was probably like a week or two ago but it feels like ages we, it was for me it was oh it was the 10th it was before we recorded last so yeah it has been no okay. for me about a week um, and a half yeah um so it's not in this round of movies for me but yeah um because i distinctly remember watching it while i was working um so yeah, it was it was good. I really enjoyed that one. Um, I also, you know, if that wins the the documentaries category, I would not be mad um, based on what I've seen. Again, haven't seen Collective. Maybe I'll love Collective, but there's always sort of the requisite corruption one every year. And every year I sort of think, you know, what new am I learning? Everyone's corrupt. Right. Um, <laughs> this was so. this was pretty good. It just in its scale. I think I think you'll like it. But yeah, it is. I, I don't think it's nearly as like uh like personally engaging is something like time or uh octopus teacher yeah. um it was fun though uh let's talk about uh crip camp as well because that's the last documentary we haven't touched on really sure. um so crip camp is about uh well like it's centered around this camp for people with disabilities in I th- the early 70s yeah and how like a community of disabled people formed around them that camp and then went like many of them went on to be like important activists as they uh um as they push for things like the ada and other improvements for possibilities the movie heavily features judy human who is probably the most well-known activist from the movie um and yeah it's good it's really good um it's very as very again it's another movie not quite like time in this way but it makes you very angry throughout um there's a lot of frustration um that these teens as we're seeing them as teens feel and then also when they're adults and like fighting for um they're you know forming this big movement basically you know that's they sort of started it and it all sort of grew out of like their friendships at this camp which is pretty awesome right Um, yeah so i think that's really cool it's yeah it was good i liked that it did end with some, you know, just feeling a little bit of positivity. But I also liked that it wasn't like one of those movies where it was like, oh, you know, they successfully got this one act passed and got it to be upheld. And so everything's great now, you know. I like that you got to see the activist be like, well, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm grateful because now I can use a public restroom. Like, that's not enough. Like, I yeah. appreciated that they also said that because there was some fear, especially you know, I love the Obamas, but knowing that they produced it, I was like, I have a fear they're going to be too glossy. <laughs> like, so, yeah. you know, um, I, I appreciated that it, it didn't necessarily go that route, even though it was kind of glossy by the end. Um, it was glossy in a good way. So, yeah, I mean, well, we got a lot of like really gritty details here. There was that whole yeah. part where they were occupying uh, that legislative building and like all yeah. the troubles they went through with that, like being a bunch of people with like serious medical conditions uh with like no food or water like support they're just there trying to advocate for these changes um they went through hell to get it yeah so it it really brought home what like how much that they they push for this right yeah i really yeah i really liked it i liked that 
I mean, I consider myself somebody who's well versed in American history and politics. And I, I did think I learned some things from this movie. So that was kind of nice. Um, <laughs> that doesn't always happen with documentary. Sometimes it's just like seeing things you knew presented differently. Um, so I appreciated this. So it was good. I also liked that there were like some cool lighter parts of the movie where they just like, like that part at camp when they're all just like sitting around playing Grateful Dead songs and stuff. About like when they, they all, uh, they all had crabs and they, they, <laughs> they <laughs> <laughs> that lady was talking about how she was proud that she had like had an STD. Cause she yeah. was like, I proved to that doctor that yes, I can be sexually active. <laughs> like, well, I mean, right. and, and we laugh about that and we joke about it, but it's also extremely important for that community, for, you know, community of disabled people. That's, that is not, I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about, you know, capacity to be sexually active among certain segments of the disabled community. And so yeah. it's actually an extremely important segment too, even though it's very funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> she, had, she had a great sense of humor about it. Yeah. She was so funny. Um, I also really liked that guy who was like doing like sound design at uh at the berkeley theater and he was like you know he didn't have use of like his legs or anything he was just crawling around setting up microphones and stuff right it's really interesting right but yeah it was it was just a fun interesting movie and also like it told a lot about some important parts of history that don't really get discussed as much so right i thought it was good yeah absolutely so that's about it for the documentaries um let's see what else is worth talking about? Well, there's Mulan. a lot here. Whether or not it's all worth talking about is, I guess, up for up for debate. Have you, have you seen Mulan yet? Yes, I have seen Mulan. What do you think? Meh, like meh. Yeah, just meh. That was, um, I was. You know what it was, was missing? Like, the the effects were very what? It looks gorgeous. Yes. Um. Yeah. 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 Uh, sorry, you must have heard my response late because I then let you talk for a while and then anyway, oh, what okay. it was missing was the fucking, like, I want to see Mulan sing Reflection. Like, I want to see Let's Get Down to Business. Like, you know, I want to see these musical numbers, and I was mad we didn't get them. Like, Yeah, I feel like cutting out the musical numbers was a mistake. Like, yeah. I don't know why, like, I understand why, like, that they were trying to go for, like, more realism, whatever, but, but we've like, already got, like, people turning into a hawk and stuff like that. So, like, why not put in a little music as well? Why they did they put- want to go for that realism, though? That's what I want to know. They didn't do that with, like, Aladdin. Like... And, you know, like, I'm just saying, why did they want to do that? <laughs> I, I don't understand it. It's it's a it's a confusing choice. It, just like there were confusing choices made when they made the Lion King. Like, why did they cut out? Be prepared. Who knows? I don't know who's making decisions on these films. Yeah. Uh, they they're beautiful. They look really good, but there's not so much substance to them. And they, they don't really even come close to the original in my mind. It just feels um, like there's like no soul in so much of them. Like, it was just like. It's just like going through the motions, you know, like, like it's nice that this is a big production and it looks really nice, but I came out of it being like, well, this added nothing that I didn't get from the original. So I don't know what the point is. Plus yeah. there's all of the like questionable, like background of where this film was shot and everything. Like, it's like, there's just like, no, like, what am I supposed to enjoy here? Like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's, uh, well, I, I can say good things about the visual effects. Yes. Definitely high quality. The production design was great. Costumes, everything. Like right. Everything from a visual standpoint was quite good. Cinematography was really interesting, too. Yes. I liked a lot of those like interesting rotating shots. And right. all that. Like There was a lot of cool camera moves in this movie. 
but just when you get yeah. down to the substance, I just like I I didn't really enjoy watching it. <laughs> Even though it's yeah. it's not one of the like one of the heavier movies or anything, I was just like I just got bored. Like, and I kind of saved it for like it wasn't there, right? I, I kind of saved it for like a time when I thought it would be like a light watch that I would just like sort of like enjoy without having to think much. But I didn't even get that out of it. And that was kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah. So oh well, um, I don't know. I don't know if I can say who's favored in the visual effects category. That, um, which is one of the things it's nominated for. Yeah, let me pull up um, the whole category. Um, but, um, yeah. well, good God, yeah, I've, I've, I'm. This is like another category where I'm missing one of them. I haven't seen the Midnight Sky. Um, mm-hmm. I, I saw I, that yesterday. The visual effects in that one were really good. I mean, it's, it's like it's a space movie, so you have to have good visual effects. Yeah. Um, and, and space, also, there's space a lot of movies always space movies that are even competent always get fucking visual effects um, mm-hmm. um there's a lot of good stuff in the arctic too yeah. um um i feel like antarctic i feel like the front runner would have been mulan i feel like maybe now it's not because it ended up being so controversial in the end um mm. and now the oscars maybe doesn't want to nominate it like or like <laughs> want it to win after like you know they've been th- they've had enough controversy maybe they don't want to nominate this after the criticism that Disney got for filming and changing and everything. Um, so, you know, maybe not, good um, point. maybe, maybe tenant. I don't know. I really don't know. It's hard to think because a lot of the other ones other than Mulan and tenant, none of them are like big names. Like I don't, most people I know don't even know what the one and only Ivan is. Um, <laughs> um, the midnight sky is like, people might know it just because of who directed it, but they don't really like, you know, nobody cared and love and monsters. I don't know very many people who know about it. Um, All three of those movies. I only heard about when I saw they were on the nominations list. Love and monsters was on my radar already, but uh, the rest love and monsters was one of the very few that I'd seen before the announcement. So uh, I liked love and monsters. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Visual effects are certainly strong. They make these really crazy big CGI monsters. Yeah. And they they have very unique designs to them. Because even though they're supposed to be like mutated insects and um, like small reptiles and stuff like that. But they all look like really crazy and weird. Yeah, they're insane. Um, But that was good. It was a fun movie. It definitely had vibes of like Zombieland. Uh, oh yeah it was like a <laughs> typical post-apocalyptic um thing right like <laughs> but it's like but like the post-apocalypse but like make it funny and kind of edgy kind of yeah. thing yeah just yeah. some some 20 something guy trying to survive and also hook up with the cute girl the love of his life <laughs> um, oh my god yeah i mean who isn't just in the post-apocalypse who isn't trying to hook up with a cute girl or boy or <laughs> non-binary individual of your choice mm. um all, all the above in the post-apocalypse are welcome. But, <laughs> um, well, yeah. So, but yeah, I really liked Love and Monsters. It was one of the most purely enjoyable movies. It, it honestly might be the most purely enjoyable movie and best visual effects to my mind. Um, Cause Tenet has some men and Mulan was men. The one and only Ivan, I hated. I just hated that movie. I hated that movie so much. So, <laughs> uh oh. Um, Not looking it, forward to that now. It, 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 it like, it really hits so many of the bad things for me. Like, so many of my like no goes are in that movie. So it's just, it doesn't work. Um, uh oh. <laughs> so even if like you might like it, like you're more forgiving of certain things than I am. I don't like talking CGI animals next to live act action humans i don't like it i don't want it i don't oh, i hate Matt, it so you, much 
You told me you love Doolittle, though. Oh, ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't like it, and that's what this movie was. Plus, it was trying to be like a serious movie about a with a serious message about animals in captivity that it just like couldn't even really sell. So, like, I was just like, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't like this. Um, Oof. So we're really just, savaging Disney on this podcast. Well, here. we're I'm good at that. Um, <laughs> I can talk about some good with Disney, although I think that's it because I think anything else we'd already talked about like soul and onward. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Those were pretty good. Yeah. Those were good though. Um, why don't we talk about something that's Disney adjacent, uh, over the moon, Oh, which but, is, yeah. uh, produced by, uh, Glenn Keen, former Disney animator. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I wanted to like this movie, but it like, it graded on me quite a bit. <laughs> Um, the animation is absolutely beautiful, really good. Um, but we're not talking best animation. We're talking best animated film. Yes. And it was, it really like did not work as a film to me. <laughs> <laughs> just like, there's just, it's just like an endless stream of fetch quests and like stuff like, Oh, we have to get the photograph. I have to get the, the potion to work. And then like have to get, there's just so many things you have to do. And it's like, jammed into the typical like Disney dead mom musical uh, template. Yeah. And it's just like, and I did not like many of the songs either. They were just like, so, so like stereotypically like kids animated film songs. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, I could take it or leave it. I enjoyed it, but I didn't like, I didn't care, you know, (laughs) like, um, (laughs) I just didn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was it was fine. The songs were not particularly great to me. I did like the one really poppy song that Philippa Sue sang as like the the crazy moon lady. Um, oh yeah, just because it was like ridiculous, and the whole time I was like, the gays will eat this up if they ever see this. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> seemed like that kind of moment in the movie. I was like, all right, they'll, they'll she watch was just it like, for this one. She like just shows up and she's like wearing pop girly dresses and she's like dancing around and she's like a deep, clearly a diva. And I was like, what is going on? Um, that so, was an interesting choice. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the moon goddess like suddenly becomes a pop star. I guess I had some questions about like Glenn Keane and Audrey Wells, who are the director and screenplay writer writing this movie about like Chinese legends filled with Chinese culture. Like that was like a weird choice to me. I don't really know why the creative team didn't have yeah. some more Chinese representation there. I felt weird. It's about unusual. That. <laughs> they did work with the Chinese studio on yeah, this. And I think the production team was maybe not just like white people, but like <laughs> yeah. it's sort of like, why was it written by like this white woman and directed by this white man? Like, I don't really understand that. So um, that's just a weird choice to me. And maybe I'm, you know, you know, <laughs> just weird. And I don't know enough about like these specific Chinese, le- Chinese legends. I know that Chang'e is like a real Chinese legend, like a goddess, I should say. And like, maybe I, I just don't know. Like, did they get it right? I don't know if I can yeah. say. And it's weird to me that somebody on the writing team maybe didn't know. Like, <laughs> I found that one of the more interesting parts of the movie, whether they like when they worked in all the, like the Chinese legends and the traditions of the mooncakes and stuff like that. But then, yeah, I like, I don't know if this is all accurate or not. <laughs> right. But Not saying it's not, uh, I don't know. And you know, I'm not going to go out on a limb and like say that it was like wrong. Maybe these, maybe this director and, and the screenplay writer do have connections to that, even though 
basically by their like family. I can't see any connection, but like, you know, you know, I'm just saying it's weird. It's a weird choice. And I think that it's kind of weird that we're like, let's tell this story about this culture, but not involve people who might like be able to speak to this culture more fully. Well, I'm aspects. sure all the animators <laughs> on this were Chinese, at yeah, least most so. of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it like I like I said, I wanted to like this movie. Um, it's cool. It's about going to space. You know, I always like space movies, especially like a like a more lighthearted animated space movie. Yeah, I thought I would like more than like um, Midnight Sky. It's the other space movie this year, which I liked quite a bit, but it is undeniably much heavier than this it's film. A, definitely not the same kind of space movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming. So, but, um, yeah, cause this is sort of like our last recording before the Oscars. So we shouldn't leave the animated feature film without saying, you know, how, who do we think is coming out on top here? Ooh, um, I'm hoping it's Wolf Walkers. That's yeah. who I'm going to be pulling for. Um, at the end of the day, like I feel like Soul is probably the most likely to win. Yeah, but I think you're probably right about that. But I also am kind of hoping for Wolf Walkers. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Wolf Walkers was gorgeous. It's the only um, hand animated film this if it, year. If uh, Wolf Walkers doesn't win, I do want it to be Soul though. So Soul is definitely yeah. my second choice. Yeah, Soul's Soul's my second favorite. Yeah. And I like Soul quite a bit, so I wouldn't be mad if it won. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, I feel like there's at least a reasonable amount of uncertainty in the animated category. Yes. I think there's a lot of uncertainty everywhere, and we should preface everything with that. It's just a much different year this year, you know? Like I don't I don't know what everyone's feeling, and without like everybody flocking to movie theaters to see certain things, I don't know, you know, because that does play a role whether or not we want it to, right? Cause it helps yeah. generate buzz. And so it's just really hard to know what a front runner is this year when people aren't really talking about movies the same way. Like your average, like my average friends who don't see as many movies as I am are not talking about the Oscars right now. Right. In yeah, a typical I mean, year, they would be at least talking about the big, ty- the big categories, you know? So, yeah. And you can always, you can go off the previous award shows somewhat, but there's always a, certain amount of uncertainty and some surprises that'll pop up on Oscars night. So yeah. really I'm, I'm trying to just assume at this point that it's anyone's game yeah. for most of these categories. Um, there's definitely some that I feel like are more locked up than others. Yeah. But I don't know. I also have not been following the other award shows at all. So I really have no idea who's supposed That's to be. That's the favorite. other thing. Yeah. I don't necessarily <laughs> know who has already won awards. So just to be clear, so I'm not I'm not just talking here as someone who's like, oh yes, I've been I've been following all these award shows and there's a great amount of uncertainty this year. It's like now I just I just don't think that it's there's a lot going on this year. There's going to be all sorts of sources of error, so I think we can't really count on too much. Right. Anyway, um, why don't we talk about uh, Greyhound? Because okay. I just watched that last night. Um, I originally, I thought it was nominated in the visual effects category, but it's actually nominated sound. for sound, yes. um, which is interesting. I think um, it's deserved. It, I don't it think it's going to win sound. sound, but I do think Probably it's Probably not. I don't, I think. I think we know what's going to win sound. We all know who <laughs> the, the best contender for sound is. Hint, it's the one with sound it's in its title. It's the one title. with sound in the title. <laughs> Shocking. Um. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I ended up liking this movie a lot more than I thought I would. 
Yeah, uh, me too. First, I really thought I, I was going to hate it. I'm not going to lie. And I, <laughs> I felt bad because I was like, it's written by Tom Hanks. I should like this movie, but I thought I was yeah. going to hate it. <laughs> I, it's like, it's, it, I was just like, oh no, not another war movie. Like, yeah. you know, I like a lot of Oscars war movies. I liked what and 19 whatever oh god i love that movie oh that and i'm more movie. forgiving of a lot of war movies than other movie viewers i would think. yeah but but i felt the same way i was like i just don't think this is the year for a war movie like there are other things we don't need to see like white dudes relitigating world war one or two we just don't need <laughs> it this year like this is one True. year we can keep that out of the, the picture like you know this is not the time yeah. um <laughs> What I think helped this movie a lot from getting bogged down from some of the things that I usually don't like about war movies is that it didn't really linger on anything too gruesome or disturbing for a long period of time, which, you know, I'm not ter- always turned off by gruesome or disturbing things, but sometimes in a war movie, it can just be too much. But this, like, it kept the violence relatively bloodless. Um kept like made made the loss more personal you know like when when somebody died it was like well he's not going to be around on the ship anymore and what i liked most of all was that like the film's complete focus on like all the tactics and communication involved in like maneuvering one of these ships around um which i found really interesting and just like it was like they're they're playing chess on the ocean out there um and i thought that was really cool and not something that i've seen in a lot of war movies yeah, so I really, I just liked the tight focus of the movie overall. Like, I appreciated that it wasn't trying to be, like, a big epic. Like, it was just, uh, like, what was it, like, 97 minutes or something like that? Like, movie yep. just, like, on this boat and, like, even, like, Tom Hanks's love interest, like, that was, like, a very minor subplot. Um, it was, like, yeah. a driving anchor for the character and you knew that, but, like, you know, we didn't flash back to things all the time, you know? Like, it was just, like, we were on this boat we were doing this like, <laughs> yeah, so. that, they did like the bare bones of what you need to like give you the characters and their motivations and like what they care about. And then they just focus purely other than that on, you know, tactics and maneuvering. And right. I just thought that was really interesting, which I think is uh, what a good war movie should do most of the, at this point. Cause we, we know we've seen the big epics. We get it. We, we've seen saving private Ryan, we, you know, We've seen Pearl Harbor, you know. We all, we all, we all know the classics. We saw Dunkirk <laughs> not long ago. Like, yes, we're, we're Dunkirk not... <laughs> is great. Um, so, yeah, and so, this is this is know. also such a classic role for Tom Hanks as well. You know, this is yeah. like a, a Captain Phillips or a Sully type role. He's, he's actually another... he's in two of the best sound category movies, isn't he? Um, really interesting. Is he not in News of the World? Why not me? Oh, yeah, I he think is he in is, News yeah. of the World. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm pretty sure he's in that one. And I just I have also not yeah. seen that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So interesting for Tom Hanks to be in two Best Sound nominated movies. Um, he loaded up on the sound movies this I'm year. I'm pretty sure he this, had nothing to do with the sound. But yeah. <laughs> this year, I want to be in a film with really good sound. Tom Hanks has probably been in a movie with really good sound before. Um, yeah, he was in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was, yeah, I really enjoyed Greyhound a lot more than I thought I would. Like, I don't necessarily need to go watch it again, but, like, it was good and it was not as, like, it was not like a wartime slog like I thought it might be. Um, it was yeah. it was actually good and it was from, like, you know, a perspective we don't necessarily see all the time. I also like that it was just, like, a naval battle, like, 
that was nice. We weren't running around like on the ground and hiding in bushes the whole time. Um, or like, yeah, you don't see a lot as many of the naval battles. I mean, obviously we have some notable some, exceptions and like, yeah. um, and also we have a lot of war movies that features like one scene on, right. you know, yeah, exactly. But this one, the whole movie was a naval battle. Um, and specifically like all focused on this one ship and what was going on almost exclusively in like the command like on the bridge yeah so like it's a very tight focus it never left tom hanks i mean it was we were we were tom hanks the whole time so right yeah and the villains (laughs) in this movie are just like it's just a voice on the radio yeah like that i love that like the guy he's very it's a very sinister voice on the radio taunting them from Um, the u-boat on like keep finding their radio frequency and taunting them and howling like the wolf who's like it was, I am the gray wolf. I, it was a very sinister voice, though. Um, yes. You know what I kept thinking about? And it's not at all trying to make this connection. The movie is not. But I kept thinking about Black Christmas because the, the villain was just like a disembodied voice. Yeah. On this communication device. That's <laughs> so, it. It's a similar it's a similar technique. You know, yeah. like when you when you can't see the enemies as much, it can be scarier. And that like and that's very much the vibe of like these U-boat attacks. I was most gonna say that's time, literally what World War II was for these people. So they couldn't see the, the Germans coming out of the ocean. You can't so. see them. They're they're around in the water. You're getting like pings on the radar and like listening for uh for people's propellers on the on the sonar. Yeah. But like that's it. They're just like they're this mysterious force in the depths. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um definitely good movie. And definitely good sound. I mean, I will say, I actually did notice good sound so oh yeah the sound was important it is one uh, of those like many times. i do best sound movies are always interesting because i just feel like so many of them should be seen in theaters that's like a and so this was this was one of them where i think the sound would have been even better with like a full surround sound yeah but, yeah um, that's the one thing we're really missing out on these years i mean obviously any film is going to be is going to lose something when it comes to the home uh theater but yeah Sound is one of the big ones. I mean, I've got a pretty good sound system, but you know, nothing's going to battle a fucking 5.1 Dolby surround sound theatrical setup. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can't get that. Everybody will be like, Oh, I've got a really great setup. You you don't have like the 20 feet tall speakers. You just don't. Nobody I'm talking, I was going to say nobody I'm talking to has that. Like there are people, I don't know. Christopher Nolan does, but if you're not like Christopher Nolan, you just don't, you don't have Christopher Nolan has a movie theater in his home for sure. But, um, well, maybe not. Maybe he thinks that's like wrong for people to have their own movie theaters. I don't know. Um, he's a weirdo. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's he's devoted to the theatrical experience, and I respect him for that. Yes. But he's he's definitely a strange person, as are many film directors. We've talked about a lot of the um, smaller categories and the technical categories and stuff. Um, why don't we talk about some of the like best picture type nominees? Okay. There's still a bunch of those we have to talk about. Um, when we start with Sound of Metal, because we've referenced that already. Yeah. Um, I love this movie. It was a great so movie. So good. Yeah. Um, the sound is definitely very notable. <laughs> uh, it's a very, very important part of the movie. Um, and it it's done very well, very, uh, very engagingly. Uh, Riz Ahmed is also 
incredible. Like I definitely like best actor is a tough category this year, but I definitely think he, he should have a shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would love to see him win. And Oh my, just to like, be like a full homosexual for like a moment. Um, <laughs> he looks so good in this movie. He looks so good. He should wear his hair blonde more often. All I'm going to yes. say. Like, <laughs> it's a good look for him. Definitely. It's a really good look. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed his performance in this. I do think that unf- this is not the year. I mean, if this had been any other year, I, I might think he could be potentially like a very high likelihood of winning. I think his odds are quite low, but um, it's not because of him. I think that Chadwick Boseman sort of has yeah. the, the category locked down. Um, and for good the reason, obvious. that's not a, yeah. yeah. Um, he's very, he is very, very good at Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, you know, but it is great that, to see him nominated. And hopefully that just means, you know, he'll get more roles that could lead to Oscar nominations in the future because it's it's not always easy. So, yeah, I he's he's got a great career yeah. so far and it's only going up. Uh, he'll definitely be back at some point. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Like So basically the movie is just about this heavy metal drummer who's losing his hearing and like his attempts to come to terms with that. Um, also, it's also about like fighting drug addiction. Um, and I, I do, I like that, like the interplay between those two themes in the movie, it's like it's sort of like his desperate attempts to try to like re- retain his hearing yeah. are sort of like compared with his um like tendencies to go back to using drugs again right um and the the way he deals with that um is like is very similar he's like he's trying to seek out like a community that's going to support him and help him through that um and but you know he has trouble with staying in that community and with uh staying on that path yes and it's just all about like that that struggle of his and I really liked just like the, the way that that was portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. This movie was very, yeah. I, sorry. I, it's been, it's so hard in this moment because I've seen so many movies since then. I'm trying to like <laughs> return to this one. Um, yeah. It's just, I mean, he's so compelling throughout the movie as a character and it's, it's, I mean, it's hard. It's sad. I mean, it, you know, he's a heavy metal drummer and music is obviously his life and to suddenly, you know, not be able to hear that's, you know, that's a hard thing. And it's in easily actually quite easy to fathom, you know, sort of how hard that must feel in some ways. It's like, I can think of things that I love that if I had to give up would be, you know, wrenching. Um, yeah. You know, and so it's, it's tough to watch him struggle and you've got addiction on top of that, which is of course a very difficult thing. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was, very very good and he you know he gets increasingly it's interesting how the movie like a lot of movies about like addiction and stuff like that show like increasing desperation as like somebody getting like frenzied and running around he just like sort of like starts selling all his things and like it's like this very quiet desperation he wants to you know quote unquote fix himself um in quotes because i would you know obviously the movie i think makes a statement that there's nothing you know he doesn't need to fix himself it's not something to fix um so yeah um yeah it was really good it was very there moving. are parts of it there are parts of it that reminded me of the gambler that um it's a movie about a guy with a gambling addiction and it, it's like the similar things like the getting himself into increasingly worse situations because he's like trying to 
get whatever it is that he really wants. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the guy in this movie definitely gets himself in some pretty, some pretty bad situations. Yeah. Um, and like hurts himself a lot of the time because of what he's doing. Yeah. But, um, uh, the, the use of sound in this movie, as we mentioned, is really good. The whole design of the sound many times in the film is meant to mimic what he's hearing. Um, so you, you get times where like he's first starting to lose his hearing and you just get like that sort of high tone that like you get when your ears are popping or whatever, but it's like, it's constant and it, it, it covers up everything else. You get times where he can't hear anything at all and it's just complete silence. And you also get, there's a point in the movie where he gets cochlear implants to try to retain some of his hearing and you get to hear what that sounds like. And those scenes are really interesting. And that like, I think is the part that really takes the sound in this movie to the next level. Cause it so shapes the way you experience these scenes. You can see like things look fairly normal, but the way that he's experiencing it is so shaped by the way he's hearing things. And we, as the audience get to hear what that's like and experience that. And I think that's really disorienting is what it's like. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it feels like being on another planet almost for those scenes. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I would agree that that really is the moment that the film elevates itself from having like very good sound to like stellar sound. Um, cause I mean, cause it works both like, you know, as just like a, a thing in the movie because you understand what he's feeling but also it's like a very like it sends a very strong thematic message that it's very disorienting and like and not pleasant <laughs> like the sound of those moments is not something i would want to to hear for very long you know like and it's meant to be overwhelming like that um, so i think that it's a, an, an excellent use of sound there towards the it's towards the end right it's like the the second yeah half of the film so yeah it's in like the last 20 minutes i also i really like the end of this movie i don't want to say what it is but uh it's one of those endings where it's kind of like okay where do i go next right and then that's that's the way it ends so it's it's sort of ambiguous you sort of have an idea of like what he's heading towards but at the same time it's like this is the road ahead like where will you go with it right yeah yeah, I agree. The ending was great. I I was kind of worried the ending would not be great. I was worried the ending would leave a bad taste in my mouth. It did not, so that was nice. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I really enjoyed the ending overall. Just enjoyed the movie. I don't really have anything bad to say about the movie. Um, you know, also fitting that as we get a movie full of many different kinds of sound, um, that we get the end just complete silence. Yep. Um, yep. I thought that was really cool. Obviously intentional. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It's a beautiful movie. It's really fun, interesting. Fun. Great that's an interesting word. For sound. <laughs> There's parts off. of it that's fun. It's got some funny bits. It does. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not as heavy as I thought it would be, which is nice. It's so, still fairly yeah. heavy, but yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's certainly not the heaviest of the best picture nominees or anything like that. So. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> There um, and there yeah. are many. Um, well, there are eight. Well, um, let's talk about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay, so we referenced that already. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, this is a movie that very much feels like it was based off a play, which it was. It's actually uh, not the one that feels the most like it's based off a play. I have to tell you. 
Which you is haven't seen. You haven't seen the other one. The father. Everything oh, okay. about it. And it. And it. And to be clear, it. It is. And I think the. The playwright actually directed it too. So like. Oh really? It feels. I mean, I was watching it and I didn't know that it was based on a play at all. Um, but I was watching it and I was like, swear to God, this is this is blocked like we're on a stage. This is presented like like we're doing scene trend. Like everything about it was like it was a play. <laughs> and then I I opened the Wikipedia and I was like, ah yes. This yeah. was in fact a play and is in fact directed by the playwright. So <laughs> um, it's interesting how that works. So you can yeah. just tell it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing either. No, absolutely uh, not. Not a bad thing. At it's all. just no. a different, a different way, uh, a style of film that yes. you can pick up on almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, Ma Rainey's has, Black Bottom does still feel like it though. Yes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's many scenes that are just like long scenes that just take place in one room and it's a bunch of characters talking to each other and like laying out their worldview or whatever very play-like um but it was good and you know it's all about this group of musicians waiting around for ma rainey to show up and record this record and they're you know talking about life and about um well race a lot that's the big the big issue in the film uh and just like the the position of being a black man in 1930s america yes so yeah it's interesting it's very good the performances in this film are amazing and chadwick boseman of course uh is as advertised very (laughs) good definitely a contender should be the winner for um best actor because yeah. uh i just i don't see any way they don't give it to him it's, it's obvious i think they're going to and I, I think it's you know very obvious it's hard though because i do think anthony hopkins and stephen yun turned in amazing performances this year mm-hmm. i mean those two performances are incredible those are like i haven't top- seen either of them yet yeah. but i i've heard very good things yeah so um it's it's really tough for me because it's like I, but I, I do think Chadwick Boseman has it um, and it, it would be very well deserved. So, but it's, it's a tough call for me between those three. Yeah. But this movie was great. Um, sorry. <laughs> I'm sidetracking <laughs> for the movie. I really enjoyed Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, I have actually read the play. That was kind of nice. Um, and I, I haven't read it in a very long time though. So I don't, you know, it's been a while, but I've read a number of August Wilson's plays um, just from, studying theater in college for a while um but yeah it does feel like it's a play uh like you said a lot of there's a lot of like things in one room which is sort of like the telltale sign of any movie based on a play um (laughs) like it's all happening in the same room check you know (laughs) because (laughs) that's often the case um because that's for obvious reasons that's a common thing in plays um i think this movie is interesting because it it is, there's a lot of humor in it. It's very funny. And in a lot of ways it can feel like it's very light at moments, but then it like kind of hits you like a ton of bricks when it's like suddenly extremely heavy. Um, yeah. And that's not like all at the end or anything. Although the end has a big moment that really does hit you. Um, yeah. The but end is very it is dark. sort of scattered throughout that there are little moments where it like, you'll be laughing. And then the next second you're sort of like, Oh shit. Like, um, so which is of course fitting for the, the thematic material of this movie as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we would talk about Chadwick Boseman, but Viola Davis is fucking awesome in this movie. Oh yeah. She is so good. I mean, and she embodied, I mean, and the makeup, I mean, they made her look like Ma Rainey and you know, (laughs) that's awesome. Uh, it, this movie, just so many things about this movie are excellent and look really good. But the, the performances, I mean, Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman, just like, 
nail this movie um, in every way. I would love to see Viola Davis win uh, Best Actress. So yeah, I think she could have a shot. I mean, I I don't She's know. Probably who's she up against? The front runner. Um, I, I haven't seen one of them. I haven't seen Pieces of a Woman, so I can't comment on Vanessa Kirby. But um, Andrew Dane, United States versus Billie Holiday was very good. She's very um, good. I don't think that the movie is particularly great, so I don't think that you know. Yeah, that's um, that's the issue. Yeah. Um, um. So, but that that doesn't stop the Oscars before. But I'm just saying that you know, um, Frances McDormand in Nomadland, um. Very yeah. good, but I don't know that that's really the sort of movie that they're going to give best. Unless it's like sort of a like Francis McDormand career type of, I don't know. But um, <laughs> And Carrie, Mu- Carrie Mulligan, who again is very, very good. But I'd be surprised if the Academy even liked that movie and didn't just nominate it because they thought they should. Like, yeah, it seems yeah, so, it's true. surprising to me that they even enjoyed that movie. So um, unfortunately for her, I don't think that's really like a strong content doesn't look good for her just based on that but maybe i'm wrong i mean i thought she was amazing in that movie so what do i know? yeah um but you know i would I put mean, her in in my in my short list of the best actress performances for the year i would put carrie mulligan there i just was surprised the academy agreed with me on that one so <laughs> but yeah no well, who knows a promising young woman is a very unusual film to be on the oscars list yeah um so it'll be interesting to see how it does. But, you know, it's it's not the kind of film they typically nominate, but it's definitely up to the quality. Yeah. So. I mean, they um, often don't nominate movies that are up to the quality. That's extremely common for them. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ma Rainey, that, that was a great movie. Yeah. And it's um, on Netflix. So it's it. one of the more accessible ones, you know. Because like basically yeah. everyone has Netflix these days, or if they don't, they can log into somebody else's. So, um, yeah, it's out there. Everyone should watch it. It's very good. Let's talk Trial of the Chicago Seven. Oh, okay. Let's do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just watched it yesterday, so I can talk about it. Oh yeah, you take lead on this one then. Uh, well, take lead. <laughs> um, look, I gotta say, I was annoyed within like the first ten minutes of this movie. It's just so like. <laughs> And I didn't even dislike it as much as I thought I would based on those first 10 minutes or based on some like people who I trust who whose like initial thoughts I'd read. Um, Like, but it's just like so like somebody just needs to tell Aaron Sorkin to stop for like two seconds. Just like stop (laughs) doing it. Stop doing your like whipping back and forth with your like we're funny and also explaining things and being smart. And we're all going to say one liners about the American political system in every sentence we say. And we're going to speak in ways that nobody speaks. Um, which is fine. Like that's his style, but it's like, it's, it was so like the opening where I was trying to introduce, you know, our, our Chicago quote unquote seven, it's, it's eight technically at that point. But, um, you know, they're trying to also it's eight throughout, like basically the whole movie. I gotta say, I don't know why it was called seven. (laughs) It's eight for most of the movie. They don't dismiss, um, the Bobby seal one until like, like two thirds of the whites of the movie. But anyway, um, (laughs) and, and the group has, been referred to as both Chicago eight and the Chicago seven yes. in like history in so history. Yeah. Um, it is an odd choice considering that all eight of them are in the film. Right. And arguably the Bobby Seale one has one of the most important thematic roles in the movie. Um, and yeah. like, and also represents a turning point for like the other seven really and how they're approaching the, the trial in a lot of ways, but um, get to that later. 
I, I just thought it was like, we're going back and forth and everybody's trying, it's like trying to be funny and it's playing this music and it's like, meh, heh, heh, heh. like just shut up for like two seconds. Like I, it is quite effective, I guess, sort of like um the problem is that Aaron Sorkin doesn't really write characters as like human beings that you like te- <laughs> necessarily understand. He writes them as ideas. That's what he does. And like, that's They're fun. all mouthpieces for whatever he thinks about that particular thing that that person's representing. Exactly. He d- he just doesn't really write people as like characters that you're going to say, yes, I could meet that person on the street. That's not what he does. And like, I, I also have a problem with people who criticize, like who go into an Aaron Sorkin movie and then say, oh, everybody was a cartoon character here. And it's like, well, like, yeah, that's true. But like, have you seen any other, any other Aaron <laughs> Sorkin movies? Because that's what he does. That's how he writes them. That's how he directs them. Like, if you don't like that, fine but like just don't watch the movie then man because it's not for you and like i know that aaron sorkin movies aren't always for me i know that if he like indulges too much i'm gonna be very annoyed i hated the newsroom i hated it so much but like um (laughs) you know this is better than that i will say that um and a lot of this movie was actually at least enjoyable throughout like i was you know entertained throughout the movie yeah, um, it was definitely it was very watchable. Yeah, like that's what I'll say about it. It like you're not getting bored. You're just getting like mildly annoyed some of the times. If if you're like us, at least um, I just like I don't like and like God. You know what I fucking hated Joseph Gordon Levitt trying to be like the noble character towards the like him being presented as like the noble good guy prosecutor. It's like this right. guy fucking sucks. He blows like like. <laughs> And, like, I don't care if he, like, stood up when he was announcing the names of people who died in Vietnam at the end. Great. That's the least he could do because he already went through all this shit, like, to, like, get these guys in trouble for not doing anything. Um, Yeah. And it's also, like, it's interesting because on the surface, a lot of the lines are so, like, directly tied to this moment in history. Like, when it's like, well, the police didn't start the, the riots. They don't do that. Police don't start violence. And it was like are we, are you kidding me right now? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Because in 2021, I can't watch somebody say that. Like, I just can't do it because we've all seen it for a year now. Like, like on every news channel, you know, unless you watch Fox news, in which case, I don't know why you would listen to our podcast, but like, yeah, (laughs) a lot of parts of the film felt, you know, very geared towards, which is what, which is what he does. That's what Aaron Sorkin does. He takes these past moments and makes them extremely now. Um, and in a but lot I of feel cases, like, he makes that work. He can do that. So, I feel like we lost some of the real sense of like the '60s revolutionary politics. We did, which yeah. <laughs> you know, although there are some comparisons to be made, were very different from the way things are today. Um, and yeah, it just it did not feel like a like a historical drama. It didn't it's not, feel like it's a depiction a, of something that actually happened, even though this actually did happen. And in a, and 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 a lot of the big things are actually true. Like a lot of the big elements are real. Like you might think this judge is a piece of work. Turns out he actually was a piece of work and was this terrible in trials. Like like, yeah, you know, and yeah, the whole stuff about Bobby Seal being like chained up and gagged, like all that, that happened. actually happened. That really happened, and that's like fucking insane. And it, you know, you see it in this movie, and it kind of feels like it's like, like you know, you're thinking everybody's a cartoon character in Aaron Sorkin movies, so you're thinking no judge would ever act like this. Well, it turns out that actually happened, and that's like one of the more like gutting elements of his writing, where it's just like it actually that he's just writing what actually occurred. He just presents it in a way that is so grating sometimes, you know, just so. But yeah. the scene where Bobby Seal is tied up is not one of those scenes. It is extremely hard to watch. 
it's extremely sad like and it's extremely yeah. infuriating and also unfortunately kind of feels like you know that could have happened in 2020 you know maybe early maybe. 2020 yeah. i don't think it could happen post the the you know the protests following george floyd but like because you know there would be a whole thing but like before that totally 100 percent would have believed it so yeah. you know well. um yeah. And like, I feel, yeah, like that scene I think is really good. I think a lot of the stuff that like where they're filming the actual protest and like what happened there was pretty good, yes. you know, not, not the best, but not terrible, but it's all the courtroom stuff because like once Aaron Sorkin gets into a courtroom, he just, you know, he's going to do Aaron Sorkin things. <laughs> when Aaron Sorkin gets into a courtroom, <laughs> it's over for you. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. He really loves his like courtroom drama. Uh, that's yeah. Big fan, big, 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 big fan. And you know what? He sells it. I will say that for him. Um, it's very engaging. I just think that again, he just he's his own worst enemy in his movies. It's always <laughs> him. Like, he just needs to learn when to tone it down. And like he's like the Zack Snyder of political drama. He really is. Like, honestly. <laughs> I'm like. People are turning on him. Like you go look on Letterboxd, the big names, the people who are like big on Letterboxd, which like is an oxymoron, but like, yeah. you know, those people hated this movie. They hated it. And like, they're the future of film criticism. So watch out Aaron Sorkin. Like, <laughs> like, you know, uh, it's just like, he just, as long as there's tons of West wing fans still around this country, he'll still be able to make a paycheck. Yeah. I, the thing is at least this one, it didn't feel like it was ending with like this, like overly patriotic sort of sentimental message. Like he is sometimes prone to being like, and the right people in America will do the right thing and everything will be fine. Sometimes, <laughs> the system works yes, folks. This did not necessarily feel that way. Um, so that was like actually nice because I was like, you're going to tell me the system works. Cause these people get convicted of this. I mean, it gets overturned, but these people get convicted of this thing yeah. that is ridiculous in this trial. That was ridiculous. Like that's what was kind of odd about the ending of this movie is that it has kind of a revolutionary tone to it. While at the same time speaking about like how great the system is and like, this is how things are supposed to work. I think that's sort of one of the bigger problems with Aaron Sorkin writ large. He's, he's really prone to like almost getting it. Like he almost gets the point sometimes, but then he's like, but the system will work. So it'll be fine. I'm like, no, you're no, you're missing the point where like the system is actually the problem. So if we could, if we could reevaluate Aaron, um, I would love to have There's... a conversation with Aaron Sorkin. It would probably be the most <laughs> insufferable conversation ever because I don't shut up and God knows he doesn't shut up. So like, it would just be like a nightmare, but it'd be very fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be entertaining. Yeah. Are, are we doing Aaron Sorkin come on the pod? Aaron Sorkin come on the pod. Let's do it. Um, God, that would be a disaster. Could um, you imagine? But we would. <laughs> I would scream so fucking much. It would never end. He would hate me. He would hate me. Um, and I it would definitely be fair, think so. So you know. Yeah. But but he did write like my one of my top five favorite movies of all time. So you know, in a way, I love him still. So I still love the Social Network. I will That's always true. love the Social yeah. Network. Always. Um, the ending of this movie was just serious. Like where everybody like stands up and claps. Like, <laughs> it was seriously one of those like, and that man's name, Albert Einstein <laughs> kind of moments. <laughs> like, I'm just like, there's no way this is in a real movie. <laughs> 
it it really and it's it's an extra it's very Aaron Sorkin. It's so it, Aaron Sorkin. It, it like, fits the rest of the movie. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it like stands out like a sore thumb, but when that came, I was just like, oh my god, like. <laughs> And it's so <laughs> aggravating. And like, you have like the judge like, huh, there will be order, there will be order. And it's like, in reality, this judge would bring in the SWAT team. Like, like <laughs> order, order, I will have order. order. <laughs> he just keeps like completely passively just yelling yeah. from the bench. And then, and I also hated that it like played in like a series of like cards over the ending. Like what happened? Like the fact that these people ended up getting everything reversed and like, the judge was like, like 78% of people said this judge sucked. And like, also, by the way, when the circuit court said that they reversed all of this and, it, you know, these people got off on appeal, they said one of the main problems was the judge's behavior. They said that. And yeah. they didn't even mention that in the movie, that that was like, oh my God. the circuit court who overturned it blamed the judge. They said, even if he didn't withhold certain evidence, his behavior was enough to say that trial shouldn't have counted. Like... <laughs> Like, because his behavior was obscene. Like, it's it's like one of those movies, like, the judge in this movie is like watching Dolores Umbridge in Harry Potter 5. Like, it's just like... Oh, absolutely. It just makes you so angry. Like, I, good God, he was infuriating. <laughs> I, like, I was sitting there and I was like, I hope somebody walks in and shoots you in the forehead right now. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> like, I want to watch an act of terrorism. Like... <laughs> oh, my God. All right. <laughs> The movie character, uh, not the real, the real yes. actor. Um. In Minecraft, in Minecraft. Um, but yeah, um, it was very frustrating to watch. This That was definitely one of the aspects of it. And I mean, like, yes, that all is very accurate. But it does feel like a big thing to leave out that, like, his behavior was part of what got the case overturned. Right. Um, it's like... Like, that matters. It matters. It doesn't seem to matter anymore because, God forbid... A, I mean, a judge could probably get away with that now and fucking former president would be like, oh, that's fine. He was just exercising <laughs> his First Amendment rights and we'd all just have to deal with that. Mm. But like, you know, like in theory, that's ridiculous. A judge should not be able to act like that on the stand like and show such obvious <laughs> bias and then also and just tie like, up didn't... somebody. Deny like, somebody repu uh, a representation and then have them gagged when they <laughs> complain yeah. about it. What about when uh, David Dellinger, who's like fucking Kevin from The Office, decks that cop who's trying to calm him down? I was like, all right, you do it, man. In the courtroom, <laughs> he just like punches him. I was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, that oh would God. be me in that courtroom. I would have punched somebody probably. Um, God. Fucking, it's infuriating. Yeah. It's, infu it's an infuriating <laughs> movie from like... From like a creative standpoint and also in, in an intended way. It's very fun. Yeah. It's very rare for a movie to be infuriating both <laughs> of its own accord. It wanted to make me mad. And also yes. it made me mad by it doing things it didn't want to, to make me mad about. Like yeah. You're meant to feel frustrated watching this movie. Just not for all the reasons that you actually yeah. do end up feeling frustrated. Yeah. But um, um, I will say the cast was very good. The cast in this is film. very, very good. I um, love that fucking... Sasha Baron Cohen got a Best Supporting Actor nomination for this movie. Uh, that was great. I don't think he's going to win, but he's absolutely it's, it's great not going to win. And God forbid, if so help me God, if Leslie Odom Jr. or Daniel Kaluuya don't win, I'll be very mad. I've got to say. Oh but, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I definitely. I'm, I'm pulling for Leslie Odom personally. I he loved was, Leslie oh, Odom in that movie. He so, was so good. good. That so, movie. So. 
That okay, and, so that movie and the singing, the singing. Yeah. All right, yeah. So let's close up. I think we're we're about done with this. We can, uh, yeah. Film. Trial is um, we've said Trial of Chicago Seven. Yeah, it's on but, Netflix if you really want to see that. Um, but yeah, we can move on to yes, one night in to Miami. one night in Miami. Uh, I really like this movie. It again, was this one based on a play? Because it sure feels like it. Um. I let me pull one up. It actually kind of does too. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is yes. It's based on All a right. stage play written by Ken Powers, who wrote the screenplay to this movie as well. Okay, yeah. So it's it's mostly based around like just like this one hotel room. And it's all about one night in Miami <laughs> where these very key figures met, like all met and yeah. the, like the conversations they have. And we've got Malcolm X. We've got Sam Cooke, um, Muhammad Ali. Then known as Cassius Clay. We should be clear. Yes. <laughs> Cassius Clay, like right before he changed his name. Yeah. And then Jim Brown. Yes. He was the name. Yeah, the football player. Wow. Um, oh, oh, Jim Brown. Oh, I think he was a football. Wow. 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 <laughs> I don't know a lot about football, okay? <laughs> he's one, He's got to be one of the most famous football players of all time. Played for the Browns um, back when the Browns were like a team to be reckoned with. Um, <laughs> I know him more from his film career when he was in Three the Hard Way. Well, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah. So. Yeah, all of them just like having co- like important conversations again. Like it, it was kind of like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but in the '60s instead of the '30s. Um, I mean, the difference is that it's about it's fictional. First of all, this did, this meeting did not happen, um, <laughs> but um, it's it's you know it's like this theoretical like what if these figures all hung out this one night, this pivotal night. Um, history and like it's it's they're all well-known names in their own way and they all have like different trajectories they were all very important to like you know the black community and you know the civil rights movement in their own way obvious for obvious reasons um but they all had very different approaches which is like the core of this movie of course so yeah um it's it's like all their ideas yeah. playing off of each other right then like their importance to the black community yeah. and to american history yeah uh, like all coming together yeah, and it's very interesting. Like they, they all advocate for their positions uh, very strongly. They have like arguments that sometimes get very heated, um, but also like trying to find common ground on yeah. like big, important issues. And it's, it's very interesting. Like, uh, I, and like the end, the end of the movie is all about like how this interaction like changed them and like where they went with their careers and their lives after this right and uh for malcolm x it didn't last much longer than that because he got assassinated right after this um but you know sam cook came out with uh a change is gonna come right after this uh and like and one of the big moments that i think really make leslie odom jr a contender for this category is when he sings a change is gonna come at the end right uh, and it's so good. <laughs> He's a great <laughs> singer. Yeah. He sells the character. He sells the singing so well. Right. Um, yeah. 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 So God, it's just, it's very, very good. Um, it, this is like an actor's showcase. Like all four of these actors get to like, just like get out there. I just like act 
so well. They are all so yeah. good. I mean, I don't want to minimize um, Regina King. This is her directorial debut and she does a, quite a good job. Um, and to get these yeah. sorts of performances does require good direction. Um, Absolutely. You know, yeah, it's hard to have a great performance without a good director, obviously. Um, but like, I mean, it's hard not to, I mean, the, these four performances are just like, and they're all, all four of them are so good. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. I do think should get the, the award. I think he is, I mean, he's the most memorable to me, but Kingsley Benadir as Malcolm X fucking like was insane. That was also oh, really, yeah. really good. So good. And that's a role obviously where it's been played by great actors yeah. in the past. Yeah. So you're going to be comparing him to Denzel the entire time. Right. <laughs> and he's still really good. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he, he stands out. He gave a great performance. Right. Yeah. God, it's just so good. And I mean, that's not to, to minimize the other ones either. That All of the acting in this movie was extremely good, just like everybody. Yeah. It's just those two. And, and I think those two do sort of represent a certain core of the movie in uh, a certain way, because they both, they're very different. I mean, and you can just look, I mean, takes a Wikipedia skim to know, I mean, or even just your own knowledge. Malcolm X versus Sam Cooke are two very different approaches to like, you know, sort yeah. of like, like the civil rights movement and everything. They obviously did not have the same approach. Malcolm X, we all know Malcolm X was extremely outspoken um, <clears throat> in a very different way than Sam Cooke necessarily was. Um, and that difference does sort of like drive the film in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, the, the, like that's the big, the big contrast and the others sort of like c go on one side or the other, depending right. on how the conversation is going. Um, but Sam Cooke is, is like advocating more for like the commercial and economic uh, development of black people. And like, he's saying like, you know, I built this studio and like, I'm making money that way. And like, I'm investing that back into the community and Malcolm X is advocating for, you know, more radical uh, black power and um, just like like being out politically outspoken and saying things directly that you're advocating for. Um, so it, it's an interesting contrast. And yeah. obviously they, it's explained much better in the movie than I can. But, <laughs> right. uh, yeah. but it, it works really well. And it's interesting. Again, it's hard to build a film completely out of conversations. Um, right. but this movie does it really well. Yeah. And it and that, it's a good point that you said it does feel like a play. That is what a play would be, do, right? Like that's sort of what, what a play has to do. Um, and so this does have, it does feel like that in that way. And it does it so successfully, um, thanks to the acting and the direction here. Um, yeah. And it's just like a, a like, I mean, I misspoke. I said that this meeting never happened. They did meet. They were friends, but like, we don't know anything about it. We don't know that they had this big right. explosive argument, right? Like, we don't know. We don't know that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. All of this, all of this is like conjecture about what these people would right. have talked um, about based we, on who they were. We do know that, of course, then Cassius Clay did win <laughs> like yeah. a boxing title that night. But like, um, uh, you know, I love know the boxing story. scene too. Yeah. Like obviously like most of this movie is talking, but you also get a little bit of boxing. Yeah, the, the opening Cassius has Clay. a number like sort of introduces each of the characters in different ways. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you get a little bit of each character sort of like, I mean, basically for each of them, it's sort of like a, a run in with like, even though, I mean, Malcolm X is maybe the only person who you could say was not on like top of the world in his way. Um, people, Malcolm X was widely reviled by people outside of the black community um, at the time because mm -hmm. mainly because they were racist um, by mainly, I mean, <laughs> yeah. entirely. Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, but like Cassius Clay, soon to be Muhammad Ali, 
Jim Brown and Sam Cooke were all just like on top of their career. Like they were, you know, at the top of their profession, but even while they were at the top of their profession, they experienced like deep racism in this country because that's, you know, what the U S is about. Um, (laughs) So, you know, that's how the opening played out. It was all of them like experiencing that, even though like, you know, these are people who were like some of the biggest names in the world at the time. Um, And some of them still are like, like, we still, I mean, Muhammad Ali, <laughs> like we all know Muhammad Ali. Everybody's still talking about. You don't Muhammad even have Ali. to follow yeah. any sport. You know who Muhammad <laughs> Ali is, like so. Yeah, it, it was interesting how like the the film was introduced like that, showing all of them like having some sort of setback, right? Uh, and usually related to their race, right? Um, I, I again, I really liked Leslie Odom Jr. at the beginning. Like his thing is he he bombs at. Uh, like a concert given it a, a white uh, dinner club or something, some sort of right. club. Um, and just like people just aren't digging what he's putting down. <laughs> and, <laughs> they really are not. <laughs> and he's just like, he shows so much frustration and just like, also just like, fuck all this. <laughs> kind of, this is general <laughs> attitude. Yes. Um, he was really good there. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's just, he just so good throughout. Oh God. He's yeah. so good. A great, a film that was just all about the the performances yeah. of these great actors. Yeah. Um, it was a great movie, really, really good. It. I'm, you know, yeah, yeah. I kind of wish it had been one of the best picture nominees instead of Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, <laughs> but yeah, here we are. Yeah, <laughs> or instead of Mank. Sorry, Mank. Um, <laughs> Everybody's hating on Mank. Just I'm you not hating on oh. Mank. I am saying that Mank didn't bring that much new to the table. So not that That's interesting. <laughs> I enjoyed it. There was, I don't I know enjoyed if it's a, it. that doesn't <laughs> I mean, don't know if it's a, a best picture. Yeah. But I enjoy a lot of movies and don't think they're it, one of the 10 best movies of the year, you know, um, or in this case eight, but you know, I'm like the Academy. I like movies about movies. What can I say? Um, I but, like movies about movies, but I prefer them when they have something interesting to say about movies. I don't think it should win Best Picture. I do. I have this fear in my heart that Trial of Chicago 7 is going to win Best Picture. It's going to be like a Green Book moment. Didn't, I was going to say, didn't we just experience that? I don't yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's literally just like the no fear, one fear meme for me. Like, just like every time I think about it, I'm like, oh no. That would be. <laughs> that would be. Truly devastating. If Trial it's of won Chicago some Seven. major awards yeah. in uh, in the other shows, so As, just keep that in your back pocket and uh, hope we don't have to pull it out. Um, it would genuinely, genuinely distress me <laughs> if that happened. I mean, um, oh my god, could you imagine? Here's how. Here's how. You, here's how you can find out. All right, so like, think of all the people you know who are over fifty, yeah, and ask them if they've seen *Trial of Chicago 7* and what they thought of it, and then you'll know if it's going to win Best Picture. Um, um, yeah. What has David? <laughs> has Aaron Sorkin? Has an Aaron Sorkin movie ever won Best Picture? I don't know. What his big. Did, I don't think social network um, didn't social network didn't win. Um, did a few good men? 
Hmm. Was that Best Picture or anything of the sort? Um, I don't think Moneyball did, right? So, <laughs> um, so no. Um, okay, no, but it did. A few good men did not win Best Picture. So few good my ben point is nominated. that there's like a real fear of Trial of the Chicago Seven being like a. <laughs> a makeup for yeah, Sorkin um, because we have to give Sorkin one. Yeah, oh God. Um, for his like long career. Um, yeah. Also like the political relevance. Yeah. I, I fear is going to be like the exact sort of thing that brought us the green book. win. is could be like, Oh, this is, this is a movie that speaks to our times, but it's set in another time. Yeah. That would be um, really unfortunate. That would just be like super unfortunate. Um, because it just was not, it's not a Best Picture winner. Then again, neither was, you know, um, we, we've had a few movies that weren't Best Picture winners in our lifetime. So not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, yeah, that would be upsetting. You know, I don't want that. <laughs> it shouldn't have been nominated. One Night in Miami should have been. Um, yeah. One Night in Miami um, nominated for Leslie Odom Jr., obviously. Yeah. Also, Best Adapted Screenplay. Yes. Which could be a contender, maybe. Best original song, which I don't even know if I heard. It, so, as I mentioned before. It plays over the credits. <laughs> yes. So, it the the only song that from this year's field that was actually in the movie was uh, the one from Eurovision. This one plays over the credits. And Netflix... You know, with it, Netflix's uh, tendency to try to get you to the next thing really quick, they they skip over the song, the credits. Mine um didn't do that. <laughs> Mine played. I gotta say, maybe you didn't. I heard I, the song. I heard. I know. I can sing the song right now if I want to. I'm not <laughs> going to do that because I've only heard it once. But I do know like I'm, the one part of the chorus. So I'm sure you can sing it just as good as Leslie Elm Jr. So yeah, I'm <laughs> just pop that out. There. Um, um, yeah, um, maybe I did hear. It. I don't know, but that still annoys me that they're doing that even for their Academy Award nominated films, and especially when it was nominated for that song. I mean, yeah, like I mean, it was also this like, one was also nominated for other things, but it was nominated for that song. So, mm-hmm. yeah, troubling. Troubling. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm still pulling for um, for Eurovision for best original song, just as I stated before, because it is in the film. Um, Usovic. Um, yes. I but, I don't think the odds are good for you, but hey, you know what? <laughs> a man could dream. I think. I honestly think the One Night in Miami one might have a good shot. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe. just because it is Leslie Odom Jr. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, he's great. Yeah. And yeah, his singing in the film is. Although the, the, the song by, um, the song from Judas and the Black Messiah by H.E.R. So I don't know that, that they're still need to see that. They're also a name that matters. Um, mm-hmm. so, so it just depends. So, um, but yeah, um, Judas and the Black Messiah was good. You should see that one. You should watch that. Yeah. Oh, I definitely, I'm definitely going to, uh, I'm definitely going to, at the very least, see all the best pictures yeah. before the ceremony. I really enjoyed that so, movie. It was very, very good. So watch it. Um, yeah. It was one of my favorite best picture nominees. So. Um, yeah, I think the only other film that I really have anything to say about before we close out, um, The Five Bloods. The Five Bloods. Okay, I watched that so long ago. You're going to have to <laughs> and definitely 
Yeah, I'll <laughs> I'll take the reins on this one. I love this movie. It was very, so very much. Good. It was very good. It was so good, so good. By far the most fun part of this Oscars watch, because like I would have watched this movie anyway, definitely. Um, but I'm glad to finally have a reason to get around to it because it's the sort of thing you put in your Netflix queue, you forget about it. Um, and Netflix doesn't do a good enough job of reminding you what movies you have in your queue. It's very easy to miss your queue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad I, I got around to watching this. Oh, it's so fun. Again, Chadwick Boseman is so fucking good in this movie. Yeah, he's really, it really, really like every time he's on the screen, I'm like, it is killing me that we don't get to see any more Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. It's really uh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. He's he's very good in this movie. And it's especially like poignant that, you know, in, in this movie, his character is dead and the like the other bloods are going back to recover his body from Vietnam. And so all of his stuff is shown in these flashbacks. And it's just like, oh, we're seeing like glimpses. It's like it's it's too it's too close to real life. Right. You know, we're getting like shadows of someone who's not there anymore. It's really, um, really depressing. But he's super good in this. He's, he's really like this really strong performance. Um, and just everything else about the movie is so good as well. Um, the whole cast is great. Yeah. Spike Lee is doing Spike Lee things again. He's you Spike know, Lee. <laughs> super well directed. You know, he likes to let the scenes breathe. It's maybe a little on the long side, but I'll allow him that. He's earned it. Um, yeah. And it's just so fun. There's so much interesting stuff that goes on in this movie. And it's very powerful, too. Right. Um, it's very political. It is That's, extremely you know, political. You you always expect that with Spike Lee. Yes. Um, yes. That's good. At least I should hope so. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really I remember really enjoying this movie. Unfortunately, again, it's been a while, and I've watched a lot of movies in the past like two weeks, so it's really hard for me to comment on the movie. But um, I remember really really liking it. I watched it when it like first hit Netflix, so. That was like, how long ago was that? <laughs> that was like, that was like early 2020. Like it might've even been pre pandemic. I'm not sure. I don't think it was pre pandemic. Okay. I could be wrong, well, but I, I do think I distinctly remember that it was, um, I think I remember that I was, I was stuck at home when I watched it. Um, yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was released. Okay. It was June, 2020. June. So. Yeah. So it was still, Long time ago. Uh, so if you watched it when it came out, that's been a while. Um, but yeah, very good. feel like it should be up for some more awards than it is. But it would be nice, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't believe it didn't get uh, some of the bigger. The bigger categories. Um, yeah, you know, it's only nominated for the score. Yeah, which was good. I but I feel get... like there's so much else that you could nominate. In this the director film. picture. Screenplay, all of that could have been could have been options for this one. Yeah, I mean, we sh- we could have seen Chadwick Boseman get another get a best supporting for this one too. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so that would have been great. I don't know. Yeah, what if you took both both awards this year? Has that that's never happened, right? I don't think so. I I, I think that generally the Academy tries to avoid that. The voters try to avoid that. You know, they'll just vote for the best picture one i mean like the best lead actor right but it's definitely it's definitely happened that people have been nominated yeah yeah oh i know yeah yeah um but it would have been you know it would have been interesting to see it happen where somebody won both um because it could have 
could have. He was very, very good. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I really, yeah, yeah. I wish I could say more about that movie. I wish it hadn't been like nearly a year since I'd seen it. Um, <laughs> but it has been, so. Yeah. Highly recommend that one. I believe I mentioned it. Still on Netflix. Week. I, I think I mentioned it when I watched it on the pod, though. So, you know, you oh, can, yeah. you can go back sure to did. an episode in June. And um, I mentioned that I watched it and really enjoyed it. So do that if you really, if you're interested. <laughs> yep. Go find that bit and tell us if he actually did mention it. I did. I, I remember <laughs> the moment I mentioned it. <laughs> tell us what Matt thought of it because he can't remember. Well, I remember introducing uh, it as the latest Spike Lee joint. So oh, yes. I did say that. Yes, I, we do have to legally define this as a joint, yeah, not a film, because yeah. um, that's what it is. That's, that's the um, Spike Lee way. Um, <laughs> yeah, really good. Um We'll get to see more Jonathan Majors in this film as well. He was really good in um, Lovecraft Country. Yeah, he Um, was very good in that. Um, Did Lovecraft Country come before or after this? Ooh, I think they released around the same time. It was generally the same, but I do think it... Actually, Lovecraft Country definitely came after this because I'd already moved by the time it came out. Yeah, so... So yeah, he was also, but he was also in um, the Last Black Man in San Francisco, which was also quite good. Mm-hmm. So, I really enjoyed that movie as well. That was a good one. He's built a good career for himself. Pretty new to it, but he's doing well. Yeah, um, nice small uh, Paul Walter Hauser appearance here too. Ooh, you love to. It's always it. fun. Yeah. Overall, like I said, Cass is great. Yeah. Yeah, he's always. Mm-hmm. Fun. <laughs> Richard Jewell. Um, yes. Oh, uh, what a fun movie that was. Well, uh, um, you know, definitely didn't have me yelling at my TV. In a certain way, Clint Eastwood and Aaron Sorkin <laughs> are like. He's the, he's the conservative Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> Two sides of the same coin. Although I like the Clint Eastwood is not as good at it. Like he just like. He's a little more obvious. Like, it's like all right. I think Clint Eastwood is a better director. You think so? Um, he's yeah. I think yeah, maybe so. a better director. But Aaron Sorkin's a better writer, though. Overall, yeah, Aaron Sorkin's a better writer. I think and Aaron the, the Sorkin. The better writing does come through in his movies stronger than Clint Eastwood's better direction sometimes comes through. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think Aaron Sorkin can be more subtle with the politics. He's not always. Um, he's not always. Not always. Clint Eastwood is definitely like you know, on his sleeve kind of guy. He's never, he doesn't know what the word subtle means. And, um, yeah, maybe we all give Clint Eastwood too hard a time because his messages are always conservative. Um, but yeah, it just feels like he's like just worse. Um, I'm aware of my bias. I, I try to take his films, uh, from an objective standpoint. Um, yeah, at least there are parts that annoy me, but I, I acknowledge he's a very good director. Um, Yeah. I just like can't get behind any of his messages ever. And so it's really hard, at least with like Aaron Sorkin, like some of his messages resonate and the rest I'm like, all right, you have lib brain rot, but like, (laughs) like, you know, but sometimes I'm like, I wish I had lib brain rot. So I get it. Like, you know, I wish I could be that content with our, our system. It's like like a protective layer of lib brain. Yeah. Like, so, you know. You know, like, you know, you know, like when when Joe Biden won the election, I was like, oh, I have lib brain rot today, baby. 
We are out here and we are <laughs> just hiding. a one day, a one day oh, holiday. God. On that day, I am Aaron Sorkin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are all Aaron Sorkin on this blessed uh, day. When, when yeah, yeah, there are so many, there are many instances where like one like slightly good thing happens, and I'm like, all right, Aaron Sorkin, bring it on, baby, let's do it. <laughs> um, so I get it, I really do. Um, unfortunately, I think he's like, you know, also stupid. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So happy Oscar season, everyone. It's, um... It would. They, they. Aaron Sorkin and uh, um, Clint Eastwood should make an anthology film together. Could you what <laughs> an anthology? <laughs> you know they they do they each direct different segments and then they. <laughs> that would be fucking. Ca- and they could they could make it about the Vietnam War. <laughs> this is like a American horror story. <laughs> like. <laughs> oh my god can you imagine (laughs) (laughs) yes Um, we went there (laughs) the grassy it goes there um it goes there yeah that's uh in my worst fever dream nightmare oh my god no it's (laughs) (laughs) what Aaron Sorkin versus (laughs) sorry hold on It would be Aaron Sorkin versus Clint Eastwood, Son of Sun and Night of Night. Oh! No! Oh my god, no. All right. Wait, so, okay, so Zack Snyder directs, and they both write different segments. There we go. Now we've got the whole thing all together. For those not in the loop, we recently discovered this week that uh, Zack Snyder originally wanted Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, to be called Son of Sun and Night of Night. Like S-O-N of S-U-N. And K N I G H T of N I G H T. Oh my god, it's so funny! <laughs> I can't believe. Imagine somebody pitching that to you, IRL. Somebody was like, "Well, what about the name Son of Sun and Night of Night?" I would oh, laugh yeah, sure. in their fucking face. I would laugh out loud. Like, <laughs> it's absurd. Oh my god, completely absurd. Uh. <laughs> so. I think that that brings us to appropriate buzzed on movies territory. No, that, that, we've, no, we've completely end, fallen apart. We've ended where like we should end. Um, this is this is our territory. Um, so, any, anything else you wanted to cover before we close out today? Um, you should see the shorts. <laughs> oh yeah, I really need to see the shorts. Um, we're definitely we're probably going to talk about the shorts after the ceremony. Yeah, this will this will be I think this will be the last episode we release before the ceremony. So we'll we'll do a wrap up afterwards. We'll your, talk about the shorts. Your optimism there. You you think we might get around to another one? Um, I'd like <laughs> I'd like to bookmark that we should come back once you've seen Minari too. Um, oh yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, we're going to talk about these other best pictures that I haven't covered yet. Um, I really enjoyed Minari. We're, we're probably not going to do a whole episode where we review each of the shorts individually because that <laughs> ended in catastrophe that one time, yeah. but we'll, we'll, we'll brush up well, on them. Well, we'll, we'll touch on them. Um, yeah. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, until then, we hope 
that this is coming out before the ceremony. So um, enjoy the Oscars. Depends on what our producer wants. Um, <laughs> um, we know we'll enjoy it. Producer um, Greg. Producer Greg. Because Craig we fired. But, um, yeah, Craig. I'm sorry, Craig just was not up to the job. Craig but wasn't Greg, Greg is in here now taking care of everything. Um, so, yeah. Enjoy the Oscars. We're going to be probably tweeting about it when it happens so we'll if be, you're we'll be watching it together not physically yeah. but um yes yeah. we'll be zoom watching this one yeah. uh, as i mean i guess we'll, we'll be closer to watching it together than we have been in previous years so. we literally never mm-hmm. do anything <laughs> for that so we just tweet about although it. i think uh, next year now i should have an in-person oscars party i feel like it's time i feel like oh yeah that should it's be time a thing now um it, it we definitely should and we should live pod about it and maybe. i should have a time oh my god we should live pod about it could you fucking imagine we it. have a little room where we run into just a live pod by about <laughs> like halfway through the ceremony we're like incoherent so that'll be really fun um <laughs> Yeah, so maybe look, maybe look forward to that next year. Yeah. But for now, we're just going to be tweeting about it. So if you want to see what we're doing, uh, look us up at Buzzed on Movies on Twitter. Uh, as always, you can also email us, buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. Give us your Oscar picks. Tell us what you liked from this year's field. And as always, we'll see you at the movies. We will see you at the movies. We'll see you at the Oscars. We will see you at the Oscars. If I point at you down from the through the aisles of the Oscars while chugging a drink, say hey. That'll be me there, saving Brad Pitt's seat. Saving Brad Pitt's seat. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Brad Pitt, sit next to me. <laughs>